For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Oh, the Believe Kingdom of Pod, Boise State football podcast could not be here soon enough. Jeff Cave's back with you for the uh, fifth podcast of this Kingdom of Pod for Boise State football on a game week with Utah State coming up around the corner. But I put out a special report about Kurt Apsey resigning as Boise State's athletic director yesterday as I taped this today. A lot to get done here, so I hope you've cleared some time or you can you know, enjoy a nice long jog or a workout, and you may even be able to get in a couple of workouts with this. You got until Saturday at, um, you know, Saturday afternoon, whenever you get ready for the Boise State-Utah State game to, to tune in for this. So uh, today I'm going to go over a lot of different things. Plus, um, I'll give you the latest on the who, what, when, why, and where on Kurt Apsey's decision, what may be coming next for Boise State. We'll get Paul Jay's thoughts as well on Apsey. And, of course, uh, I'll be breaking down the – Utah State, Boise State game. And Carl Benson is going to join us really right after Paul Jay and talk more about this Knight Commission study, its impact on Boise State. Could we have a fourth division for football in uh, Division One, And what would Boise State's consequences uh, be involved with that? And could the American Athletic Conference be the home for Boise State? And maybe they even are headed for 16 schools. But we'll get to all of that uh, on this Kingdom of Pod uh, broadcast. I do want to remind you, uh, Jeff Caves here, you're there, and I used to be wherever you, at least half of you from what I can tell from the research are, and that's in Boise. I'm now living in Flower Mound, Texas, and in fact, tonight I'll be uh, checking out some high school football, the 2021 quarterback commit for Boise State. I'll be seeing him play for Louisville against Plano West, and uh, have more about that uh, down the line, but in, in the meantime... Uh, let's get to the who, what, uh, when, and where's with Kurt Apsey. I think by now, if you heard my special report, and you probably read quite a bit about it, uh, you know the who that Kurt Apsey has decided to uh, resign as athletic director, move over into a fundraising position, probably as a placeholder at, at Boise State. This about that first. Look, if Kurt, as the Boise State athletic director, um, you know, did or didn't have success fundraising, the most amount of success in fundraising he was going to have was as athletic director. So if you just go over to the university side and you raise money, it's not going to be as effective. You know, you've got the juice as the AD. Everybody wants to see you. And uh, when they see him as a fundraiser for the university, they're going to want to go through all the athletic director stuff. And that's not necessarily as effective. Maybe I think in time that changes, but we'll see what he does uh, in the short term. So that's what we do know uh, at this time, and I think he would be in that position through uh, June of next year, and then who knows after that whether he'll stay with it or not because he's got a contract uh, with the state uh, to be the athletic director or be transferred, and, and that's what uh, Dr. Trump has decided to do and Kurt has decided to 
accept or generate himself. I think most of the speculation has been centered around the why on this decision. And he has not spoken fully about this. Uh, neither has Dr. Trump. But if you look at what I've said and look at what others have written and said, look, he didn't have a contract to be the athletic director beyond the 30th of June of 2021. And so I'm sure he was given a list of things to accomplish by a certain day and date. And whether or not he wanted to do it or not, I don't know. Uh, there's some facts in place about some of the, I think, more curious things uh, about what's happened here. You know, his original contract was a five-year deal. Boise State was in between Custer and Trump. There was an interim president for like a year. And Kurt goes in there and gets a one-year extension from an interim, and Marty, and could have went for two. I don't know. Maybe could have went for three or whatever. Didn't. Took Only asked for one. Got one. And so that one year is up uh, the 30th of June in 2021. And, and, you know, the question has to be, you know, why he didn't get more years than that at that time. His original deal was for five years. But maybe those thoughts for Kurt were coming right away, that he didn't know if he wanted to stay in the position. He wanted to see what the new president brought to the table and, and wanted to do what he would think a new president would probably want, full flexibility. And you got to hand it to him from a Boise State perspective uh, for that, if, if that was his thinking. Uh, I do believe that everything I've seen or heard or, or learned fr from yesterday, essentially, uh, on, on Wednesday when this took place, I think that he doesn't really want to do the job. I just think that it's too much. It's, it's not going in a direction that he's um, comfortable with, that he wants to give it that kind of effort. He knows there's probably new energy needed for it. It happens to all of us. Happened. I mean, before we start piling on anybody, Coach Pete bailed out too, remember? And I've just went through something like that. So people change. Circumstances uh, change. And so we know the when and the where, where it took place. Uh, uh, the way the coaching staff w was informed, people have stories about that, whether or not Harson and Coach Rice were at a meeting or not. And when it was announced by Kurt to the coaching staffs uh, because they had practices and that, I, I, I just don't think – I've never been a big one on the message of I'm leaving. That, that's, that's just never great timing. It's very difficult, and it doesn't usually – it doesn't mean uh, often that much. But, you know, at one point or another, Brian Harson will have to talk about this. It'll be probably after the Utah State uh, opener. It's not going to be uh, before it. That that much we know. So uh, in the meantime, um, that's the latest. Hey, let me tell you this before we get to the uh, Utah State-Boise State game. Uh, if you want to bet on it, go to betonline.ag. Uh, if you want to put a bet down on the Boise State game, which if I were you, I'd look at it and I'd, I'd take the points. It's, I've seen it as high as 16 and a half. Uh, some people even have it in the 14. Uh, to 15 range. I would take Utah State in those points. Uh, I'll have more about that later, but that's a lot of points for an opener, and with all the circumstances around Boise State's offensive line and, and running backs uh, and all of the rest of it, I think it's in, uh, you know a, a tall task to think that they're going to walk out and beat somebody uh, by 17 points on, on day one. So I think they'll win this football game fairly comfortably, but that's a lot of points I would uh, go the other direction. Go to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses that they have. Betonline.ag is where you want to be. Sign up today and get in on all the action. 
and NFL, college football. Get the sign-up bonuses. Just take advantage of it at betonline.ag. Uh, the, the rest of the Kurt Apsey story to me is, is really all about what's next and what Boise State needs, and that's Dr. Trump question, and I think that's all of our own question. That's your question. It's my question. Uh, I think that there's a lot of behind-the-scenes information that we're not privy to. A lot of it probably has to do with holding on to your coaches. Who can get new coaches when we ultimately lose coaches? Uh, what about the television contracts? What about the conference situation? If you were to leave for the American Athletic and football, what would you do with the other sports? How would you handle that with those coaches? Uh, on top of that, you know, what about taking all uh, sports at Boise State to the American Athletic? Would that be good, bad, or a different idea? Those are all questions I'm sure that the new athletic director and Dr. Trump are going to have to uh, cover. If I'm Trump and I've not been in this situation before, I may get out and get a uh, search firm or a consultant to bring me some prospects and a search committee may or may not be put together. If uh, This will be one of the first big hires that she's done, uh, publicly at least, so this will be a little different situation. Uh, if I look at what Boise State needs, I, I do know through the years that uh, I've often felt that there's just an emotional leadership position that, that fans want to relate to. They, they want to feel good about Boise State. They want to have confidence. They want to live vicariously through it. And sometimes it takes just a little bit bigger than life personality to provide that kind of entertainment or stimulus uh, for boosters and fans and everybody else. Now, there's a lot of other effective ways to be a, a leader at, at Boise State as the athletic director, and there's a lot of different folks who can do this job. And I'm sure all of this is going to be uh, taken into consideration with the hire and the interviews and all the different people that are going to be brought in. But you still got to decide first before you do any of that, what are you looking for? Experienced, up-and-coming uh, has this skill set to deal with these types of situations. And then you can start framing, once you know what you want, uh, the interviews, and you can start deciding, hey, this person checks this, 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 this box, and so that's the person. And you you go from there. And I, I say person because this could be a female athletic director. There are a few in the country now. Uh, it's a growing, um, I guess, trend to, to have this. There's a lot of... Uh, uh, women presidents in the Mountain West Conference. So Dr. Trump has an uh, open canvas to do whatever she thinks is in the best interest of the university, and I'm sure she'll visit with a lot of different people. So we're going to spend more time on the what uh, when we get there. Uh, we're getting, I think, way ahead of ourselves. There's a football season that's not going to get in the way. I think they've got until probably the spring to start interviewing people. There, there's some lead time here. They're not going to just jump – up until this pandemic has settled down. They got to know what kind of budget they're dealing with and a lot more. But let, let's talk about this with a guy that's watched Kurt Apsey for a long time, Paul J. Schneider, the longtime voice of the Broncos and KBY personality. I've been doing a lot of work with Paul J. on his life and times as a commentator in this market. You know, I think you're going to love these podcasts when we put them together on Paul J.'s life in at least public life here in Boise. And we'll, we'll talk to him about that. But in the meantime, I want to get to Paul J. here and get his thoughts about you know why he thinks maybe Kurt Apsey um, resigned this position and his legacy. So let's bring in Paul J. All right, Paul J., let's look at this Kurt Apsey situation. He's been there since 98. He came in really as the first 
corporate and sort of donor guy that was beyond the athletic director and they they got on the athletic facilities you know piece a little bit after that and so now there's been a lot that's transpired between when Kurt started left for Carroll College came back got an extension and and now is ultimately resigned before football season to go into a university fundraising position you've been around a lot of athletic directors how, how do you see how this all came down well uh you know first of all you've uh uh, the timing, I think, is really strange for this thing, uh, uh, which kind of puts it in a weird, weird light, uh, you know, uh, resigning three days before the start of the football season, um, which is, is really kind of strange. Um, and then going into a fundraising position. This has happened with other uh, ADs around the country whose contracts are not up and they, they want to move them on and bring somebody else in. Actually happened to Gene Blameyer at uh, San Jose State. So uh, um, it, it, the, the timing of it I found extremely strange. So looking at the timing of the whole thing, um, he signed a five-year deal, Paul Jay, for three hundred and thirty grand a year at first. And then he's, he's now gotten a raise up to 360000 and he has some incentives he took a one-year extension on his contract when there was an interim president at Boise State before Trump came in and after Custer had uh, moved on. And he only took one year on that. And I wonder if he knew at that time that he wanted to see how this went with the new president. And I wonder if this is as much his doing as, as Trump's as well. I don't know. It's it's been so. It's such a strange year, and and strange things have happened. You know, uh, Doctor Trump, uh, you know, very active on social media up until June, and then she stopped. Yeah, you know, abruptly, basically for the summer until uh, I guess September, uh, when she started up again, and. Um, her relationship with APSI uh, has been called into question by some people, although uh, having worked with the Kurt and kind of with uh, Dr. Trump on the Hall of Fame stuff, yeah. um, they seem to uh, they seem to work out okay, and he seemed to, you know, defer to her and 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 make sure she was up to speed on a lot of stuff because obviously she didn't know about, you know, possibilities for the hall of fame. And, and so he was kind of bringing her up to speed on that. So I think, uh, um, I think their relationship was okay. You look for the power, of course, in the athletic department and the power belongs to uh, the football coach, coach Harson. And uh, I'm not sure about uh, his relationship with APSI either. Uh, talked with Kurt last winter, uh, and I know you've talked with him quite a bit. And um, he was, as he said, uh, you know, bothered uh, by people who uh, were pushing for stuff that maybe he didn't necessarily want. So uh, it was uh, um, it, it's a tough job being an athletic director because <laughs> – not everybody wants the same thing, but if you're the AD, they want you to get what they want. Right. And it, it's a tough job.
PJ, what do you what do you see as his legacy then? Um, uh, you know, he's been in this job since 2015, took over for Mark Coyle, and we don't have a wrestling program, baseball program, swimming and diving program. I'm not saying this this is under his watch. They don't have a baseball stadium. These are some of the developments, and really the East Side expansion never got going. Uh, they've won some championships in football. You know, there's there's that. <laughs> there's success. Women's basketball has won four straight. I mean, Sports. You know, the, there's been success. Yeah, you can't question that. So what's his legacy? Well, I, I think his his legacy was, was the offering of stability because he was kind of a, you know, a Blameyer guy uh, from the Blameyer days. Uh, you know, through the coil days and then uh, back to him. I think that, uh, um, I think he really, really likes Boise State, loves Boise State. Mm -hmm. He's a Bronco guy. Um, he, he had a really sweet gig at Carroll College and, uh, you know, tossed that uh, to come back uh, to Boise State, which he at the time, you know, was, talking about it being his dream job. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think it was as dreamy as maybe he thought it would be. Um, I, I think, I, I think Kurt is the kind of guy who needs a lot of positive reinforcement. Not sure he got it here in the, in the last year or so. Let's take a look at the breakdown of Boise state and Utah state and start with Boise state's offense, which is something that we've all come to depend on uh, over the years, of course. And I don't think this one's going to be too much different. It may be a little bit more quarterback heavy. Uh, you're going to have to give some time to the uh, entire offensive unit, be the new offensive line and all the coordination that's going to have to take place specifically on the right side of the line. But you've got some experienced wideouts and a quarterback who's got some snaps and should be better in a star tailback. So I think there's the makings of a really effective, tremendous uh, offense, and it's going to start with Hank, uh, Chase Cords, uh, uh, who, who knows, could be a medical redshirt at this point. And Jack Sears does not know the offense. He's taken a lot of time off. He's got to get more comfortable in the pocket from what I understand. He can scramble around, but a lot of guys can scramble around. So he's going to take some time. I don't think that's necessarily going to save Boise State's season if he is inserted into the game because – uh, Hank gets hurt, and I don't know that he's going to be option B unless uh, there is no protection and Hank does get temporarily uh, nicked up. But this team will go as Hank goes more than likely. Uh, watch Hank. See if he can get rid of the ball. He has got to not wait for receivers to get open. He's got to throw timing routes and make sure he's counting his steps on his dropbacks and he knows where his receivers are going to be. And he'll be looking for Shakir. I'm sure that's going to be one of his big options. That's one of the strengths of the Utah State defense, though, is their secondary. They're unproven up front. A lot of guys, they got a UCLA transfer and other guys that are back, but not a lot of snaps, a lot of things to figure out there. Not much is being said at all about their linebackers, which is highly unusual. So maybe they're really strong. The strength of the team, though, is at the corners and the safeties. And, and that's what they're counting on. So that may be the strength um, for Utah State going into somewhat of a strength for Boise State. And Halani could be really the X factor because if they're not ready to be up front and physical, Boise State could run the football and control it. And they've proven that they can do that before. And I'm sure they'd like to go back and do that again. If uh, George gets nicked or needs a blow, you know, it's going to be Alex Van Buren or, or Van Buren's opportunity. Andrew Van Buren, he's got to do this. He's, he's got to give them five to eight carries a game and be solid and pick up uh, blitzes and 
do his job, and he won't have to do it much more than that as long as Helani stays healthy because I think he's a superstar. Um, other than that, I think Boise State has to get some live game reps, and the lack of a crowd, you know, usually the crowd's quiet uh, when the offense has the ball. So it should hurt more maybe on defense and special teams on some level. But uh, I expect them to get off to a great second-half start. I don't think it's fair to say they're going to come out and just blow them away uh, early in this football game. I don't know that that's uh, the way to look at it. On the other side of the football for Boise State specifically, I think you've got a similar situation as Utah State's defense and an unproven defensive front. But you're hearing all about Matlock, the defensive tackle, intense, local, beast. Scale, Agihan, we know is great. Cravens, transfer from Utah, really good. You got three great tackles inside. Demetri Washington, next big thing. Now at the defensive end spot. Sam Whitney, back and healthy, experienced and quick. Uh, a trimmed down Noah at linebacker. Uh, a Wimpy, who's the quarterback of the defense, very physical. And then the new guy, Miller, coming in from North Carolina State with a huge motor. Uh, these are all great components into a front seven, and Utah State's got question marks on their offensive line. They didn't have a good offensive line last year, and right now they don't have one they can count on either. Uh, they've got some kids that can run the football. Uh, they had one of the better high school football players in the state of Utah, Jalen Warren, at running back, and then they got a graduate transfer from the Utes in Devontae Henry Cole. They'll play both of those kids, they're pretty good, but they got to have holes to run into, and that may be more of a challenge uh, for Utah State. Uh, when it comes to you know their quarterback spot, Jason Shelley's been named the starter. He's a transfer from Utah. He's got a long way to go. He's only been there since July. Um, sometimes these things are, are, are big hits or complete misses, and there isn't always much room in the middle. Uh, so they'll be rolling the dice, probably looking to run the football, get ball, get rid of the ball quick, get it out of their hands. And that means Boise State's defensive backs are going to have to be counted on. And I, we all know Skinner could be an NFL kid. Canijo is a turnover machine. Tyreek Jones has to come around. Jalen Walker's already there. I think he has a future as well to play at the next level. But can Markel Reed do it? Uh, can, can he become somebody that can be dependable because he has all the other tools to get there? Uh, Avery Williams is also a guy that you would like to see maybe get that next level of competitiveness. He's a little shorter. Sometimes he gets picked on, but he's got to be one of the best attitude players on the field. He's a tremendous return man. If they got into a grinding uh, positioning a battle at, at running back and they didn't know what to do, I could see them putting Avery there. But all in all, Boise State should win this football game for all those reasons. I think their question marks are a lot smaller in stature than Utah State's. I expect Boise State to win by 10 to 12 points, 13 points. I don't buy into this 15, 16 point game. So if nothing else, the season started, let's get it on. All right, let's pivot for a second and get back to the storyline I mentioned a little bit earlier about the Knight Commission and the study that they came out. Carl Benson will break it all down for us, the former Mountain West, excuse me, WAC, Mac and Sunbelt Conference Commissioner now retired living in, in Colorado on this Knight Commission study that really looked at the dissatisfaction that exists within the NCAA and how they are talking about now is the time to look at reorganizing the entire process. In this conversation with, with Carl, we'll talk about how an NCAA reorganization could affect Boise State 
Could there be a fourth division of Division I football? The consequences of canceling games in the Mountain West Conference? Could we be headed to a 16-team American Athletic Conference with or without Boise State? And what about this Knight Commission and how they want to possibly, the members of the NCAA, see the Power Five football schools split away? Carl, we talked a little bit about the Knight Commission when I sort of outlined that it was with presidents and chancellors and trustees and former athletes and a lot of politicians, frankly, involved in it. But you've got a different impression of why it was formed and, and its power in the NCAA landscape. So welcome aboard and, and tell me a little bit about your experience with the Knight Commission as a former commissioner yourself. Well, thank you, Jeff. And uh, Knight Commission dates back to 1989. Uh, at which time I was a member of the NCA staff. I joined the NCA staff in 1986, and it was it was right at the SMU death penalty, uh, the scandal in the Southwest Conference, and how how pervasive uh, uh, college recruiting was, and how out of control it was. Uh, and the Knight Commission was founded in 1989, as I mentioned, as a as a watchdog group, uh, primarily consisted of college presidents, former college presidents, some some politicians, as you mentioned, some noted professional sports uh, notorieties that uh, came in to, to uh, kind of be a watchdog group and to, to demand, you know, greater accountability, you know, by the NCAA. And their first report that they issued in 1991 uh, was labeled uh, you know, the plus, the plus, the one plus three model with one being presidential control. A presidential control needed to be at the very top of the NCAA governance and, and how intercollegiate athletics needed to be uh, managed and, uh, and governed uh, going forward. Well, let's take a look at what they've come up with here recently and, and what they've talked about, how uh, college sports needs to be redone per se. And they talked about the Division One model. Uh, the survey conclusion was there needed to be an overhaul and then they went out and asked these athletic directors and presidents of who they could get a hold of during the pandemic, frankly, in the summer. And that these, the majority of these guys said, yeah, uh, we need a fundamental change of how we govern college sports. And it needs to be much broader uh, than just a few little things here or there. And at the end of the day, 79% of the people who responded to this survey said there's too much financial resource disparity among schools, Carl. And my question for you to think about is, so do they really expect uh, the membership to somehow control the income and how other people make money? That, that doesn't even sound realistic to me. And, and it, probably, it probably isn't, uh, Jeff. The creation of the of the survey, and, and I was part of a, of a focus group. There were several focus groups that they used back in late February, early March, pre, pre-COVID, mm-hmm. uh, to put together the survey instrument. And, and I know that I took part in a couple of, of uh, interviews and with, with their staff and, and, the, and the people who put together the survey. And, and it, was, uh, it was intended to, you know, to get the attention of the athletic directors and not that there hasn't been conversation throughout the years about, you know, a, a reorganized NCAA uh, and, and specifically the, you know, the division four, which uh, I'm sure we'll get to here in a little bit, but, uh, but as far as the, the financial piece, I remember sitting in a commissioner's meeting 
32 commissioners uh, in 2010 when Mark Emmert first was named the executive director or the president of the NCAA. Former college president. Uh, something else that's kind of interesting that, that came out of the Knight Commission, Jeff, is that prior to, um, uh, you know, to the early 2000s, uh, when, when Miles Brand, the president of Indiana, became the president of the NCAA, prior to that, they weren't college presidents who were presidents of, of the NCAA. Miles Brand was was the first, and then Mark Emmert in 2010 replaced Miles Brand. And Emmert uh, addressed the 32 commissioners as he was ready to take over this, you know, this organization. And and he had some strong opinions about. Uh, and I remember him saying, "This is a dysfunctional organization. 350 Division One universities, where the the revenue or the expenses, probably the expenses." Uh-huh ranged from you know the St. Peter's of the world spending two or three or four million dollars a year on intercollegiate athletics to at that time Texas was the was the highest uh, expense division one at about 150 million dollars which wow. is now over 200 million but the point that Emmert was making was that how can an organization that is so disparate in terms of of revenue and expenses coexist and you know, I don't think I, I think that he he was <laughs> suggesting that we needed to needed to do something about it and that he was prepared to, to do something about it uh, until he probably found out the logistics and the and how, you know, how difficult, you know, major change within the NCA structure, you know, has been over time. It's it's not you know, we both know it, it things do not move quickly inside the NCAA governance system. Yeah. So, you know, we have a lot of questions here really about revenue and, you know, 42% of the people who are in the FBS of college football uh, were talking about the fact that, you know, they don't want to see a change where essentially you would isolate the Power 5 schools, which I think are 63, Carl, and, and isolate. 60, 65 plus is and with Notre Dame in that group. So. All right. So they, they oppose this and, and – I guess about two thirds of, or sixty-five percent of them, without football, are looking at it and and looking at it completely different, and they want to separate football out. So there's this there's this argument about well, you know, who really is in favor of separating Power Five out because they would have a lot of administration costs. I don't. They've got all the money right now. You got the group of five saying, hey, if we let these guys go, we may never hold on to them. And then you got the non-football. Uh, schools saying let them go we, we don't want anything to do with them is that a fair read of the landscape well I, I think it's whether it's fair or accurate I think that the survey results even and I think it's important Jeff to to recognize that that the the number of respondents in my mind was very low mm-hmm. and and they acknowledged the the Knight Commission acknowledged the lack of of participation but did say that from a statistical standpoint they they had enough uh respondents to make this a valid survey um however they they haven't yet uh described or told everyone of the respondents how many how many actual fbs or power five Mm -hmm. presidents or chancellors or or athletic directors the decision makers Mm -hmm. The four groups that were surveyed, presidents and chancellors, 
the athletic directors, the senior women administrators, and the faculty reps. Mm -hmm. And of those, those are the four NCAA governance units, yes. But the decision makers are the presidents and the athletic directors. And really, when you come right down to, I think, where any of this may lead, it's those five conference commissioners that are designated as the Power Five conference commissioners. That, that without their support, leadership, interest in any of this, this isn't, this isn't going to necessarily go anywhere. There's also another organization that we've got to keep track of out there. And, it's, and I mentioned Tom McMillan earlier in our, in our off air. Tom McMillan is now the CEO of the, of the Division 1A Athletic Directors. It's now called LEAD, LEAD 1, L-E-A-D 1. It's 130 of the Division One universities and, um, has been in, in existence for many years as the Division One A Athletic Directors Association. But several years ago, when when they hired McMillan, former Maryland basketball player, Rhodes Scholar, uh, you know, Congressman Tom McMillan, they hired him uh, with the the specific purpose of how to navigate uh, change uh, on Capitol Hill uh, in terms of of some of the factors that, and this was long before COVID was even a, an issue, mm -hmm. uh, antitrust issues, how could, how could antitrust maybe be addressed? Um, but that's an organization that needs to, needs to uh, weigh in on this as well. But again, it, the separation between the power five and the group of five does muddy the water a little bit. I think we need to go back about the, the original uh, comment you made about who was favoring separating out the FBS from the others? Yes. And, and again, 32 conferences, 10 FBS conferences, 22 others. And, and the reason those 22 other conferences support taking football out of the NCAA governance is because those 10, the NCAA basketball revenue distribution, mm -hmm. when you dig down into the to the guts of the NCAA basketball distribution, there is a large number, a large revenue that's given to each school for the number of scholarships that they give out. And the football, the 130 football playing schools, all are rewarded for the 85 scholarships that they give via this, this revenue distribution. Hmm. And what the other 22 commissioners have said for a long time is why why are they uh why are they receiving these monies when the rest of the nca membership doesn't share in any of the football revenue so it's been a power play by the by the 22 other commissioners to you know to bring this to a question that's why those other 22 conferences showed support for taking football out of the NCAA governance oh. and the especially the the 130 you know the 130 FBS athletic directors they don't want to lose that money right but they, they want it both ways they want they want all the NCAA basketball money they can they can garner and at the same time they want to control and they do control the you know 500 million dollars in uh, you know in CFP revenue and so, Carl, really, the NCAA Division I basketball tournament is why we have an NCAA. That is their revenue model, essentially. 
And what you're telling us and reminding us is that almost everything's based on that. That's what keeps these guys all together. Without that, maybe they don't have much in common, right? That is the one commonality, and it's you know it's for it's one month, uh, you know, a year that you know that college basketball comes together to put on this this great event. That it's not just a great event; it is a billion dollar you know, enterprise and it's got rights fees that go on for 10 plus years. And not only does it pay for the NCA operations for some of these other conferences and some of these other division one universities that have, you know, there's a, there's a new, new term that has been used for several years. It's called the, the low resource uh-huh. universities and the low resource conferences, right. Uh, meaning they don't have the same resources as the power five or even the group of five. And, uh, the, the NCAA basketball tournament is a primary revenue generator for those 22 other conferences and, you know, what would be uh, 170, you know, 200, you know, other universities. Carl, I want to get into just one other thing I'm going to throw at you. I didn't discuss earlier, but just dawns on me. We had our first Mountain West football cancellation of a game with Colorado State and New Mexico. I'll circle back to that. But let's stay with football. And we know that Mike Oresco and the American Athletic Conference has been talking about a power six that he'd like to see the American Athletic Conference become. And then I'm sure he's anticipating some kind of split and he wants to be included. And is this what it takes? Is this kind of night commission survey with change in the air going to help Oresco's cause to get this push and this power six conference established will it have no effect or or will it have something in the middle well i think that the the survey has brought this to reason you and i are talking today as as other uh interested parties are talking about the the survey results and specifically the the notion that that the fbs or the power five conferences you know did indicate even though we don't know how many of the decision makers were those that 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 voted in support of of some new division, a fourth division mm. that would allow those five conferences to continue under the NCAA banner, to allow the basketball tournament to be you know, conducted as is, but to allow those other five conferences to to govern themselves uh, in totality. They already have a strong voting uh, power that they can, you know, that they've given um, and were given because they threatened that if you don't give us this authority, this autonomy, we're going to go and start our own organization. Mm-hmm. This was, you know, ten years ago or so, and so the the autonomy five conferences already have that. How much more autonomy would they have as a separate division? Uh, but that's that would be uh, is what's triggering uh, probably the group of five asking, well, what does this mean to, to us? If there is a new division, and this is all hypothetical, it's all speculative, the Knight Commission put it out there, it's causing people to talk about it. I don't know if the five power conference commissioners are talking about it. I don't know if the group of five conference commissioners are about it. You and I are talking about it, and there's media talking about it, and others that are that are asking that that what if question. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a it's a uh, it's a serious question if it were to happen, and what it would mean to uh, to the group of five, and specifically the American and, and Boise State. 
Um, you know, there was a, a piece in the, in the survey results that said, if this were to happen, those five conferences could establish their membership requirements, meaning that they could either tighten the, tighten the membership requirements up and there's the, you know, some that might not make the cut or they loosen it up and they allow 10 to 15 other universities in, or they take the American in mass as a, as that sixth, that sixth conference that you mentioned. So, uh, but again, until the five power conference commissioners determine whether this is something they want to entertain or to consider. And right now, Jeff, I don't think it's on their, on their radar screen. Everyone had, we have to get out of COVID and have to get back to, to finding out what intercollegiate athletics is going to look like once COVID, you know, has run its course and we're back to a, a normal, you know, level of, of health and safety and, and just how intercollegiate athletics is, is gone. But once we do that, I think that there has to be conversation about the business model, the NCAA business model, mm -hmm. the Power Five business model, the CFP, and, and whether, you know, I, I think I mentioned this before to you that, that Bob Costas, the, the Hall of Fame announcer back in early July, when everyone was talking about will college football be played this fall, he stated on NBC with Brian Gumble that if college football is played in the fall, it will be exposed for exactly what it is, and that's big business. Right. And several weeks later, after the after the SEC and they decided that they were going to try to play, his comment was, "College football now has been exposed." Because the only reason that college football is being played is for the revenue associated with it. And if, if that has been established now, seven or eight weeks into the season, how do we, how do we not continue with that, that position once COVID is over? And how do the Power Five maximize the revenues? They're going to treat it like a business. Mm -hmm. They're going to treat it like a business. How do they maximize revenues and how do they increase revenues? And then how do they share those revenues with the, with the group of five? Carl, what about the uprising of Olympic sports programs like at William & Mary, Iowa, and others that have had their swimming and diving canceled, golf or tennis or whatever Olympic sports have been canceled, and the reason being given the pandemic and the reduction of football revenue, basically, and the lack of March Madness revenue when – three out of four athletic departments don't make money in football. You know, so some of it doesn't hold water. And I wonder if these, these folks getting together, which they're now doing, forming committees coming after the financial departments of the big football programs and saying there wasn't any money to begin with. We're in the red all the time. And you athletic directors are taking your cut and coaches. I wonder if that's part of, a reshaping of all of this, this, you know, the consumer uprise, you know, the little guy getting together and fighting like we've seen on social injustice and all that. Well, I think it does change the, you know, will change the, the conversation and, and the dialogue and, um, you know, the, you know, even closer to home, the, the Boise State decision back in, in June to, to drop baseball and, 
in the swimming and diving. Um, you know, and I know that there were, were fans and supporters of Boise State baseball who believed that that it was done. You know, that COVID was a con- COVID was a convenient reason mm-hmm. to to drop some sports to to be able to cut some 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 uh, expense so that there could be financial shifts. Um, again, once this is played through, and and an athletic director and president has to sit down and say, okay, going forward now, what, what are, what is our business model? What is, what is our revenue and expense? And how do we, how do we rebuild our, our, our yearly budget uh, Mm -hmm. going forward? Is it, is it further reduction? I mean, the number of furloughs and the number of staff reductions, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some people will say that there was a lot of fat in intercollegiate athletics and that there was a lot of revenue but there's a reason they spend all that revenue is because they don't, you know, and again, it's for tax reasons and, and antitrust reasons and, and whatever else that they didn't want, they didn't want to have any year end uh, rollover of, of revenue. So they spent it all. They spent it on staff. They spent it on equipment. They spent it on facilities. They spent it on, uh, you know, grandiose uh, uh, locker rooms and whatever else. And, and I think that, that that is going to be a, an issue that has to be addressed going forward. Well, I mentioned to you, Carl, outside of this conversation that we're having about the Knight Commission, the impact of their survey and how it may or may not reshape Boise State or a Division Four, with Power Five breaking off and whether or not the AAC can join that group and get San Diego State, Boise State, and Air Force to join in with them, which I'm all in support of. Those are all big issues. But a current issue now, Carl, and you're a former commissioner of the WAC, you've dealt with a lot of these schools, and I know you've dealt with Colorado State and New Mexico. Their football game this weekend postponed. The first casualty in the Mountain West Conference of a a game, and there's no makeup date announced. There will be no makeup date. That's coming from the conference office right now. So it feels like, okay, winning percentages are going to be what this is all about, and the fewer games you play – you, you 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 run the risk of a one loss team being able to overtake you because they played eight games or whatever. Um, does this feel like it's going to be okay with everybody to you as a commissioner, or do you think there's challenges ahead here with where we're going? Well, I think that uh, depends on what we're playing for. Uh, if if we're simply playing to to ensure that the television contracts that are in place can be. Uh, cashed in, so to speak, which my understanding that that they can and they are, mm-hmm. and that that's what that's what is driving uh, a lot of this. That uh, that the TV contracts are in place. There's a certain number of games that have to be played, I guess, to uh, you know to uh, execute that. Okay. Um, but as far as the postseason, um, you know, the bowl system has already said that. All teams are going to be eligible for bowls, regardless of their of their uh, their win loss records. So you know those you know those are are not that won't be an issue. So I guess the big question with a group of five is how is that group of five the highest rated group of five team to get into the the uh, you know the CFP you know New Year's Day games? You know how is Boise State going to be? Uh, compared to a team in the American that has, you know, that maybe Cincinnati 
that, that it's going to play 11 or 12 games. Sure. And Boise State is is maxed out at, at eight. And to think that the Mountain West schedule, that, that the Colorado State-New Mexico game is going to be the only game that isn't played you know, over the course of the next two months, I think is pretty uh, – pretty unrealistic so there's there's going to be mountain west teams that that might have seven games or six games and how will they how will the committee evaluate them and uh again we're we're playing you know that's a revenue thing jeff i mean it's Mm -hmm. you know the conference the conference that that is rated number one you know is gonna you know receive seven or eight million dollars more and the conference that puts a team into the cfp is going to get another you know five million and and it's a difference between $25 million from the CFP versus, you know, $15 million for, for the others. So, you know, there is there is something to play for. Uh, but the question is, how is that selection committee going to, to differentiate between the Mountain West and, and the MAC now that, that are playing fewer games? And, you know, to be honest with you, you know, look out for BYU right. being, that, uh, being that group of five. I don't think they necessarily – qualify for the group of five but you know, they end up may having the who are they the best over record what, what, what's that what is byu's definition in the they're office? an ind- independent they are an independent and they are only eligible for the uh you know the the, the final four playoff the four teams they, they would be eligible for that um but that's that's their only avenue that's their only uh, path to you know, the, the, the CFP postseason. Um, and you know darn well that, you know, the group of five isn't going to give up their spot, you know, to, uh, to BYU. Excellent, man. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate that. My pleasure. I want to thank Paul J. Schneider, of course, for this kingdom of pod, plus Carl Benson as well for joining me. Don't forget, if you uh, want to subscribe to this to get it sent to you without any effort on your own, just wherever you get your podcast. Get in there, iTunes especially, and figure out how to um, subscribe to it. You can also evaluate, rate it, and review it. That helps me to get it uh, out to more people, of course, and spread it around to anybody. And Plus, I have a subscription, the Kingdom of Pod uh, website. You can go subscribe, and it'll just be emailed to you. It's just go hit that. Thank you. Uh, good luck to all of you getting the game in this weekend. Uh, Hopefully you can get to a TV set and check out Boise State, Utah State. We'll be talking all about it. So check me out on social media this weekend at Jeff Caves and on my Facebook page. A lot of reactions to Boise State, Utah State. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.